December to dismember. Oh my God! I just see what I think I saw. You kidding me? Can't believe this knock set her up. It is time to lower the extreme elimination chamber. First time ever a weapons filled stream elimination chamber. Who's gonna leave this extreme elimination chamber as the ECW champion? Five star frog splash. Is trapped inside that pod. Leslie busted out the top of the damn pod. Oh my god! Oh god! What a huge spill on the big show! Lashley, victorious! The new ECW champion! ECW December to Dismember. Welcome back! Yeah, my voice cracked a little bit. I did that on purpose though. I'm lying. <laughs> to another edition of wrestling is trash a nonsensical podcast where we talk about professional wrestling past present and future i don't know where i got that from i just when i said it the first time it just you know it felt right so now i'm gonna keep saying it god damn it but um we're here again and we have a returning combatant he has been dubbed the wit talk historian my guest with me this morning as we record <laughs> is jay Sandlin. Oh, B-Rob, you know, your voice cracked worse than Earthquake trying to work as a plumber. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> That's a lot more than King Kong Bundy shopping for pants in the boys section. Well, um, in that vein, you know, I, I work. Ooh, uh, those would be some varicose veins, right? <laughs> very big ones. That's like the um, default lines over there in California. But uh, I like I like big veins and I cannot lie. No, nah, but let me tell you, I, I was at the at the job yesterday, and yeah, off in the distance because um the parking lot that surrounds the building that I work in, uh, customers can't park there because it's exclusively employee parking. So okay. a lot of um, customers would get dropped off on the curb and they would walk across the parking lot to get into the building. So off in the distance, I see this vehicle roll up and stop. Like any other vehicle that might come there, they'll stop and people started getting out. So way off in the distance, I see this uh, young lady and she was turned sideways. Like I, I seen the side silhouette of her getting out of the vehicle. And it was just pretty much like you ever seen a plank of wood? Like how like on Ed, Ed and Eddie, their best friend was the plank of wood or like Hacksaw Jim Duggan's two by four. Either or. Okay. So what about it? It's a the 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 slimmest part, you know, facing you. But as you get down to the maybe almost the middle of that plank of wood, there's just like a basket, half of a basketball attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I seen that way off in the distance. I was like, that don't look right. And as it came closer and started walking toward the building, I could see that it wasn't right. Because it, okay. the, the legs look like poo sticks, and um, the rumple area was just like it—it it didn't belong there. It—it it was what, like what was she what, like? Was she smuggling something? I mean, was something out of place? What? What's up? Well, I guess it was in place by her standards, but the way it was placed was very awkward. I don't think uh, it was uh, naturally uh, meant to be there. Okay. Well, so this person comes in, goes through the X-ray machine. Stuff comes out on the other side. They lean over to retrieve their items and 
I don't know. You, you ever sat on an old couch and uh, like you, sure. you sat in the middle and the cushions just kind of separate and yeah, it, the, the springs are jamming and yeah, yeah. So it it went down like that and then her, she had like a leader thong. It went halfway up her back and everything and had a tramp stamp and it was just weird. It's just like I don't know. <laughs> it's like somebody took a freaking bean bag, the biggest one they could find, and they took a jump rope and they just wrapped it around the middle in this particular instance and it just it was just I don't know. You talked about earthquakes and veins and plumbers crack and everything. And that's what I talked about. Earthquake, you know, the man (laughs) tugboat, also known as the shock master. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, you know, it's odd. Okay, here. Here's how all that came together. The shock. I mentioned earthquake who Mm -hmm. played the shock master. You mentioned a two by four or a board. Did you know that a board is responsible for the great moment of the shock master? Yes, because um, he tripped over the two by four that was part of that exploding wall. Yes, and they they had practiced the stunt earlier in the day, but when they rebuilt the wall, mm-hmm. they for some reason secured the two by four when before it was part of the wall that exploded. So he was used to just stepping and walking right out on yeah. clear floor, and a huge guy like you know Fred. Ooh. And and the rumor has it Dusty Rhodes uh, tells the story years later that young Cody was watching the Shockmaster yes. moment from home mm-hmm. and that he turned and shouted, that's Uncle Fred, that's <laughs> Uncle Fred. <laughs> yeah, because as, as legend says. Yeah, I mean, it's just like they set him up for failure. They put that uh, two by four there as a, another means of support when they rebuilt the wall and he wasn't privy to it. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, nobody was printing. Nobody had a uh, a plan. I listened to a great. Uh, it was what happened when uh, podcast with Tony Schiavone and uh, Conrad Thompson, and they told the story of the Shockmaster. It's my favorite episode they've done. I don't say that lightly. I've never laughed harder at Tony breaking down the background of how the Shockmaster debacle you know came together. Really, through just a lack of planning was what it all came down to. <laughs> but um on other interesting notes and everything uh it's been a theme to where whenever you come on you you kind of feel that we're going to do a watch along which we are today but yeah. also another common thing is that you like to put yourself over you got some things coming on so uh i'll give you the floor to put those out into the world well i've got some things coming up that not completely ready to talk about yet, but you know, we recently did uh, an episode of uh, Who Would Win with Sub Zero and Gambit, mm-hmm. and I uh, actually won with Sub Zero. Uh, you know, spoiler if you haven't heard the episode, it's been out for you know several days or over a week by now. That's pretty cool. But, well, it was cool because uh, we also talked a little wrestling. We talked about Mr. Ray Lloyd, the actor who played, uh, well, the wrestler and actor who played Glacier, Glacier in, yeah. in WCW, which was a Sub-Zero knockoff, but yes. it was cool. The cryonic and, kick. Uh, <laughs> the cryonic kick, exactly. And he was, uh, James and I said something funny in, in wrestling terms, that uh, the storyline for the Glacier, you know, Blood Runs Cold was what they called the storyline. And it was Glacier, Mortis, and Wrath mm-hmm. were the three, you know, wrestlers. And the 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 uh, like the storyline was that Glacier had 
a magical helmet or some kind of powerful, ancient, important helmet, and Wrath and Mortis were trying to steal it. And that storyline was done in like later 90s, like 96. Like you would believe that in 91, 92. But why were they trying to still get away with that childishness when they could clearly see the business had changed? Well, that's something I've wondered about the Glacier storyline. Well, from what I understand, they was trying to uh, capitalize on the popularity of the Mortal Kombat games. So obviously, yes, obviously, but a magic helmet is that really? And, and we we laughed at it, and then James said something um, smart. He says, "Well, we laugh at Glacier's magic helmet, but nobody has a problem with the Undertaker's magic urn. powers and urn." Yeah, <laughs> like he walks around with the you know a, 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 an obese mortician, rest in peace, you know Paul Bearer, uh, walks around with a magic urn. And supposedly it gives the Undertaker his his powers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we have no problem with that. Or the Undertaker, you know, summoning lightning from the sky. It just, it works so well. Mm-hmm. And, he's and then, like, I don't know, if, do you think like those fantasy supernatural type characters in wrestlings uh, can work anymore? Or yes. has it really just run its course and yes. it's different now? It can. It just depends on the context of use. Um a perfect example is Lucha Underground. That whole series is based in that type of world to where they have all these characters and they have their own backstories. Some of them have it's, mystical powers. So, yeah. Everything. Which one's like a, an immortal? One of them's like, I'm a hundred years old and I've been wrestling. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, you have taken a lot of bumps. Are you, are you <laughs> like suffering from, you know, your bones are about to turn to like, powder like thanos just snapped i don't know I mean, um I forget- how many concussions have you taken wrestling for a hundred years yeah i mean there, there's many characters kind of like that they got a uh, arrow star who is like a cosmic character or whatever he comes from the cosmos and everything he's kind of fits that criteria then there's drago who's like the opposite of earl star so they kind of form yeah. a bond in the kinship lucha is a is a soap opera yes um, for that sure telenovela telenovela that happens and to it, have and in a good way <laughs> what so what is aew gonna be b rob we were gonna talk about that aew has the potential to be something awesome you know and i'm very excited to get into that and see what it's gonna be and whatnot i've looked at some of the I watched the main press event and uh some of the interviews that Brandy and um Cody done um after the fact and whatnot and they have all the good intentions and it seems like they actually have somebody to back them in their conquest which is fucking awesome. Well so, that that's that's what you gotta have, right? You gotta have some coin if you're gonna make it in the biz because you're gonna spend a lot. Oh, yeah. And speaking of backing, you can go to randomrobcast.com to find many different ways that you can support Wrestling is Trash, The Real Robinsons, and many of the other things that we got going on over here. <laughs> Perfect segue. Speaking of segues, um, you know, we're hoping that AEW succeeds beyond everyone's wildest dreams. Yes. They, steam, they seem to have all the tools to do so. Unlike the event, or I should say the match at an event that we're going to talk about today, which by any measurable standard failed miserably. And, and you speaking of failed miserably, you know, we'll kind of talk about it once we start with um, competitors in this match. But um, do you think much has changed with this individual that we're going to bring up here in Bobby Lashley? 
That's a good question. Obviously, he was very young at this point. Still looks the same. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I'll, I'll let you say it, not me. Yeah, black uh, on crack. <laughs> yeah, I, he looks fantastic. He he looks great. He's he's still got that baby face, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. I don't understand you know? what he's doing. I mean, he might like bathe in baby oil every night or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe he's a secret vampire. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, he there just was capped some, his teeth. There was some blood in this match, so. Oh, gosh. Ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Well, I I think that Bobby has improved. He has grown. And he also, well, I, I don't know if it's him or the bookers, but he knows what they know what he does well. And they let him focus on doing that. Like the uh, pose. Yeah. <laughs> he does that well, I guess. Well, there are things he does well. And there are some things he doesn't do well. Um, you know, the other uh, great performer in this match, uh, CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Not known for a physique, but known for doing things in the ring that maybe Bobby Lashley couldn't do as well. Yeah. So a, a big question going into this event was, who does ECW choose to put over? Mm-hmm. Paul Heyman wanted CM Punk, and Vince McMahon said, no way, it's got to be Bobby Lashley. Yeah, so... Without uh, further ado, we're going to do a watch along with the 2006 pay-per-view December to December. And the specific match will be the Extreme Elimination Chamber. Ooh, Yes, December to December 2006. This took place December the 3rd at the James Brown Arena in Augusta. Yeah, in Augusta, Georgia. So not not far from me. And this was, um, you know. The ECW brand pay-per-view, the only one they ever had, and the worst-selling pay-per-view in their history, um, which is a a record now because of the network. It's just a record that will stand mm-hmm. um, because we we don't buy the pay-per-views like this anymore. Uh, I don't know that the single brand pay-per-view was ever a good business plan because you know that you pay a lot of disposable income. Yeah. And if you're only getting maybe 50% at best of your roster, why why am I going to pay for that? You know, and then it was kind of like that most recently. I know they still have the network and everything, but I do believe that there's still means if you don't have the WWE network to purchase pay-per-views and whatnot. I guess so. I, I, I don't know. I've not paid attention, but this event had an attendance of 4,800 people Ooh. and it received 90,000 pay-per-view, pay-per-view. Yeah, I can't speak. 90,000 buys, uh, 55,000 of which were domestic. Mm. And again, that was the lowest buy rate in WWE history um they did schedule uh, another pay-per-view again for 2007 for a december to dismember ecw brand and it was canceled because all the pay-per-views became tri-branded um most likely uh because of this event mm. yeah so if you want to go ahead and join us for this evening or morning or whatever time it is that you're listening to this podcast, um, if you have the WWE Network, you can queue it up, find the uh, 2006 ECW December to this member. And my timestamp is at one hour, 35 minutes, 
and 56 seconds, you should see on your screen the rules for the Extreme Elimination Chamber match. Four men are loaded into pods. Two men will start in the, the ring. Then after every five minutes, our pod will be opened at random and another competitor will join. Eliminations are caused by pinfall or submission. And the last man remaining will be ECW World Champion. That's probably had to been the best reading of the rules for anything we've watched so far. <laughs> yeah, rules and wrestling are a, a kind of a lot like whose line is it anyway? The rules are all made up and the points don't matter. Because mm-hmm. we talked about <laughs> it for the rumble that we covered um, at that time for that one. Uh, the time limit was stuck to very uh, specifically because it was every 90 seconds somebody was popping up. If you watch more recent Royal Rumbles, they kind of run the clock, you know, whenever they find it convenient. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are you going to give us a, a countdown or? Yeah, here we go. I'm about All right, let's the, count down. I'm about to hit the play button in three, two, one. And we're rolling. So the main event at December to Dismember, again, we already said it was the Elimination Chamber match. And on the previous October 24th episode of ECW, uh, Rob Van Dam had defeated the Big Show uh, for the title for the second time. And per the stipulation, if Van Dam defeated Big Show again in a ladder match, he could then choose a time to face the Big Show for a title match. I think I misspoke. So he won the right to face Big Show in a title match after jumping through lots of hoops. And this was where Van Dam chose to have his title shot. But Paul Heyman, authority figure on screen and off screen for ECW, adds him to the Extreme Elimination Chamber contest along with Big Show and four other superstars who had to win uh, their spot in this elimination chamber match through qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, here we go. We got a first entrant here is the big show, the current champion. And this big is- show was current champ back in 2006. There was already talk of him retiring from the business at this point. Cause this is the biggest big show we've ever seen. <laughs> Was he? Was this his biggest? I think you know, so. He, he, he's rocking like the buzz cut. He's still got the beard. So he's still kind of like half WCW giant, but he's coming out of that look and he's still got his black singlet. Yeah. You know, he, he, the guy never changed his clothes from 1995 to like 2008. Mm-hmm. But this is, yeah, this is by far the biggest I've ever seen the big show. And was like, this before he, he or after have they neck. sent him to, to <laughs> developmental? I'm not sure. Okay, let me. I'm going to look that up. You know, at one point they they sent him to developmental because they said you just you look rough. We're going to send you away for a while to lose some weight, get your body back in shape. He apparently did not take that well. You know, it, yeah. yeah. This was after. This was before his departure. Yeah, he, this, this had to be. <laughs> His uh, his contract expired um, February the 8th of 2007. So this was uh, right almost exactly two months before that where it says he took it would actually he took the time off to heal mm-hmm. as well. He had sustained some injuries. You got to sustain some injuries when you're that big and you're taking those kind of, you know, bumps and drops and. Oh, we got and, the, and, the barbed wire bet. Ah, the famous barbed wire bat. Should that not be like a potentially fatal weapon? 
It, yeah. I mean, this is the, uh, I, I believe this is Lucille's grandmother or something here. Yeah, maybe. Hey, by the way, he he actually he went to developmental territory much earlier than this. We're we're getting confused. This was um, it was back six years before this that he went to developmental. So I think he actually did a promo referencing this. So it's not me talking about Big Show. It's it's him. And in his own words, he said, "I lost some weight." Kind of looked down at himself. Says, "I found it, <laughs> but I lost it. You know, but I found it again." I, I mean, he's such a big guy. It almost it to me, it doesn't matter what he weighs. But, I you know, I hope he's healthy, obviously. Yeah. I mean, now I think uh, most recently was the best shape I've ever seen him in. He had actually a giant six pack, <laughs> a giant six. So wouldn't that be like a pack of kegs for the big show? Yeah. He had a keg pack. He just it was weird. Oh, we got CM Punk coming in, a young, smooth-faced man. Yeah, he looks very smooth, very uh, missing a lot of the tattoos we normally associate with him. Almost like unspoiled skin because we know he's going to tattoo that whole, you know, all over himself. Yeah. Um so that CM Punk was uh, a big uh, you know, debate point for this show. Paul Heyman wanted CM Punk to come in, start the match and choke out the big show and take him out early and then ultimately CM Punk goes on to be like the Iron Man and go through the rest of the elimination chamber and win and apparently the big show loved this idea he said yeah I, I you know he, he knew his contract was expiring he had some injuries he, he thought the end might be in sight and big show was okay with the idea of putting over CM Punk as you know, a big deal for the future. And see, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just everybody else. Of course, right? there's nothing. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. And and no professional in the business. You know, this is me armchair, you know, out, outside the business. I, I've, I'm not a business. I'm not a wrestler. But from my perspective outside, no true professional has any problem or should have any problem with putting someone over on their way out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Brett. Oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. You, you, you think CM Punk would ever refuse to lose in Chicago just because he's in Chicago? Mm. Would, would people not laugh at him now if CM Punk's like, I can't lose a, 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 res, a predetermined wrestling match. I'm in Chicago. I know these people. <laughs> it's like it's like you're you're an actor. I mean, does Tom Cruise refuse to lose a fight in a movie because the movie will be shown in his hometown? Um, yeah, we got. Tess. I'm going off on a tangent there, aren't I? I might get some online hate for this. <laughs> we got a test that's coming out right now. Test, test. Andrew Martin, very young man. Uh, one of the tragedies in the wrestling business. They, you know, he started very early and. Uh, Vince Russo was a big early supporter of Andrew Martin test. I think he had something, you know, um, I think this is by far the biggest he's ever been from. What well, I te- test was going to pass away uh, three years after this, March 13th of 2009 at only 33 years old. Yeah. And um, I think what that was the thing. That um uh, the wrestling curse that people would dub it as that a lot of wrestlers never make it past the age of 40 or something like that or 50 or some shit like that. that uh, I like to think some things have changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, but do you know how Vince Russo put over Tess to the office, how he described Tess? He comes up and says, 
This guy is a young Kevin Nash. True. I mean, he had that. He had that uh, look about him when he had the long hair. Um, they wore similar attire and whatnot. He came in over the top rope because he's a taller guy. Yeah, so yeah. I could see the similarities in that. I, I, I he was six foot six. So I mean, Kevin Nash, a good four to five inches on him. But the uh, the office disagreed. Apparently, they said we don't think he has quite the look or, or charisma. You know, in ring ability. You know, Nash did a few things well, and he stuck with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you remember a lot about Test's in ring ability? I mean, he he was fine. Like I said, um, from what I that, remember, so that's yeah. not a glowing endorsement. So he was fine. <laughs> you know, it's like how do you do it your job? Your your supervisor, you just say, how do I do it my job? You're fine. Okay, so. Your next question is, am I getting fired? <laughs> he he had a spot on the roster, you know, and this is not a knock. He had a spot on the roster because of his look, mm-hmm. because of his physique. And, you know, th- there are people like that. He, he was a good attraction. He was also Canadian. Uh-huh. Yes, he was. Also, eh? uh, speaking of uh, physique, we got the young man Bobby Lashley in there right now. How old was Bobby Lashley at this point? I'm going to look it up. But Bobby Lashley, so that's the one, you know, Vince McMahon earmarks Bobby Lashley, say this this is our guy. Um, he was actually a year younger than Test. Yeah. Or is a year younger than Test. He was um you see, two thousand six and he was uh he's exact he was he was right at thirty, knocking on thirty, or he had just turned thirty. So in, young man entering his thirties seems to have ev- all the options ahead of him. And didn't work out for him in WWE, uh, you know, at this point. Yeah, um, he would go on to do uh, a small stint in MMA. I think he did some Bellator and whatnot. And um, he would wrestle for TNA and a couple other promotions that I I can recall. Tri- yeah, AAA, TNA, Inoki Genome Federation, Independence, Impact, I mean, you know, uh, do you, was he well used anywhere else? Impact TNA. I mean, he was the champion multiple times from what I can recall. Um, he had a stable with a uh, freaking Samoa Joe MVP. And I want to say Loki was in there as well. They at call- this point. Yeah. You know, you know, B Rob at this point or being the TNA champion on your resume. How much does the WWE care? I don't know. I mean, all of their TNA guys, their mainstays, their top talent at the time are in WWE right now. So, I mean, that kind of right. answers your question. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that they're in WWE because they were TNA. I, I don't think that's even relevant. I think in some cases it's despite being in TNA. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, I know these people because of TNA. I mean, I know they've been true. I, I true. know they've been to ROH and maybe other places, but I only know them from TNA. <laughs> it gets them a lot of exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of exposure. Where, where are we now on our uh, update? Our, our listeners here. Where are we on our, our watching? We have uh, five competitors in the ring. One of the ones that'll start the match is Hardcore Holly. Hardcore. I, I love Bob Holly, and at this point, he was a seasoned veteran. You know, he had showed up. 95 ish mid 90s as uh you know the thurman sparky plug sparky plug <laughs> thurman sparky plug is that not the word is there a worse wrestling name i'd like to hear one mm, 
nothing comes to mind right now, but that's that's kind of there. Unless you're getting into like the, just the absolute gimmicks, you know, like Mantar and Phantasmo or whatever. Yeah, I th- Bob, uh, I've read his book. I really recommend it. He's a he's a legit dude, but he is um, he talks about he told him, he said, can you just call me Bob Holly? Just Bob Holly. Mm. And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? Who cares? <laughs> he he was one they brought him in. I don't think they ever had a lot of plans for him, yeah. but he I think he stuck around just through like his, you know, toughness and um, hard work ethic, which is good. Always kept him a job, but he got looked over a lot. Yeah, he did. And then we what do you a- think it could they have? Re- I think he could have been or should have been at some point in this era, like oh four to oh six should could have had a decent uh, or should have had a decent length run with the ECW title. I, I think everyone would have bought him as champion and bought into him as champion. Well, hell, I mean, he was dubbed as hardcore Holly. Yeah. He uh, story goes in his book that, you know, he he's talking with Vince and Stephanie one day and they give him a compliment. They say like, hey, you know, you are on screen and off screen, you know, one of the toughest SOBs in the WWE. And that was how the announcers build him. You know, they said the toughest SOB in the WWE. So he just kind of goes up to him and says, hey, um, if I'm the toughest SOB, why don't I beat anybody? (laughs) <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and, that, and that he said that Vince and Stephanie just kind of exchanged glances and said, um, uh, uh, we'll get back to you on that. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, he was the one for me. I mean, there's probably been people to use it before him. He was the one when whenever you see somebody do the Alabama slam or hear that phrase, the Alabama slam, I think of him. Oh, of course. Well, he made that move. He thought of it. You know, he was it, based on the simplest wrestling move, you know, like a, a sunset flip. Right. Mm-hmm. And somebody's given him the sunset flip. And he just kind of thought to himself, like, what if I just grab their legs and throw them over their head before I, they can instead of letting them slide down me like a stripper pole and, you know, knock me on my back? Mm-hmm. Why, why am I letting him do that? And that when he started doing it, he, that was the first time he'd even had a finisher, which is interesting. He had never had a finisher before he innovated the, you know, Alabama slam. How do you get by without a finisher for so long? I uh, know. Axe Barry Horowitz. Ooh, well, no, I mean, he, I'm sure his finishers probably just got repoed. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I'm looking through his, uh, list of accolades here. Never been like a major WWE champion outside of the tag team champion. All the hardcore yeah, Bob, Bob actually won uh, the hardcore title, you know, six er, times. Early. <laughs> well, he won it by accident at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Did you know that he uh, somehow the finish got botched at the WrestleMania where Crash was supposed to retain the title? The one where it, tra- you know, it changes 24 seven. Yeah. The hardcore title changes all throughout the match, playing hot potato with it. And at the end Crash Holly, who began the match with the title, was supposed to end the match with the title, and it got messed up, and Bob had his hand raised as the champ, and uh, he said in his book, Bob said it was a very convenient uh, mistake, because Crash and I had the same music anyway, <laughs> so, yeah. so they just they didn't have to change anything, <laughs> yeah. other than you know Bob having his hand raised. Which apparently Crash was freaking out because he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be winning. I'm supposed to be winning. And and Bob was just like, calm down. We'll we'll have to fix it later. So, yeah, 
he got a WrestleMania moment completely by, by accident. accident. <laughs> and I think what Crash Harley um, would pass away sometime later too, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. You know, there was a whole Holly. Fa- I mean, Crash Holly, Bob Holly, and Molly Holly. This mm-hmm. this is all stuff that could have been over. Say, uh, he was in the Job Squad too, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, and there we go. We got the um, one cool part in the match to where he did the rolling thunder from into the ring to out of the ring to um, a Bob Holly on the greats. Oh yes, yes, yes! One of the greats, one of the greats. Um, Rob Van Dam, what do you what do you got to say? We haven't talked about him yet, so what do you got to say about him? Should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Well, I don't see why he won't be. Yeah, I mean, it's, one day. It's just it's just win. <laughs> a matter of when. I mean, what people criticize and say, oh, the Hall of Fame doesn't have ABC and Mm -hmm. the Hall of Fame is not legitimate until it has X, Y, Z. But I mean, you can't put everyone in the Hall of Fame the same time on the same year. What are you going to do next year? Exactly. I I feel like he's one they've had in their back pocket for a while, but have not used him because they probably still see that he's got some runs in him. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm surprised that he hasn't been back yet. <laughs> More runs in him than when you forget your aunt's acid when you go when you go to Chipotle. <laughs> More runs than May Young stockings or legs. <laughs> or leg. <laughs> Why is it? More runs than Mabel's tidy whities. Okay. <laughs> you know, I got to talk to Mabel a few months before he died. Well, how'd that come about? <laughs> He, he was in town. He came to town, came to the wrestling, uh, local wrestling show promotion that was in my town for a minute there. Um, and he was the, you know, the talent, the booked, uh, I guess I said the booked name, one of the names that we had. And I was uh, on the fringes of the promotion. Uh, my my good friend uh, was the, a promoter and a manager and would sell gimmicks. He would usually, he had a big pack of uh books and dvds and he would i would get to come for free because i would sell his gimmicks for him and i also uh, i did a little uh announcing on the side like when the crowd was in an intermission i would do uh, a giveaway for some prizes to try to get the crowd up and running a fire so, cm punk is in the match now oh and comes in throwing that uh steel chair and giving the jumping springboard clothesline to rob van dam and getting a pop He's mad. You know he's got to be mad because he thought he was going to win the title tonight by choking out the big show. Indeed. And that was supposed to be how this match started. And now what do we got? You know, he, so, you know, he's coming out with some frustration. Yeah, now and there's pa- there's Paul Heyman, a man who definitely has some frustration that this match is being uh, not just the match, but the whole evening has not gone the way he would want it at all. Um, talk more about that later. But uh, I, I, if you want, if you want me to finish my Mabel story. Yes, sir. Um, so it was just, you know, a few months before he would pass away. I'm watching this indie show, which, um, to be frank, was going on way too long. All the matches were felt like they were 20 minutes and, you know, just doing too much and going too long. So I just kind of make my way over to the gimmick table. I didn't want to bother him, but he was alone at the time, just, you know, sitting there and his wife was there. Mm-hmm. And I just said, hello, how you doing? And he said, hello, how are you? And I said, I said, you don't have to give me an autograph or a picture. I don't want to bother you. I, but I just wanted to say, uh, you know, thanks for all the entertainment over the years you've, you've put in. And he said, well, thank you. 
And I was like, what was your favorite time in all your years in the business? And he thinks for a second, and I'm so sure that he's going to say like King Mabel, you know, that was, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> or, or maybe his, his big match with Diesel, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the big moments. He had some good moments as Viscera, you know, I thought Viscera was a great character. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, what he said was the Nympho love machine gimmick. Oh man, that shit there, man. I- <laughs> Cause he said, he's like, I loved it. I got to get that. The divas were kissing all over me and they were loving me. I mean, who wouldn't like that? And I'm like, you know, so, good point. So what good did point. his wife say to that? <laughs> you know, she, she had stepped away for a minute. Oh, okay. She was, okay. <laughs> she, she, she was there. Um, I mean, his wife was probably a uh, hundred pounds soaking wet. And I remember, you know, after he passed that she, you know, came out and had some things to say about WWE's uh, treatment and handling of it. Um, So it was kind of strange to think, wow, I was I was just there, you know, with her talking with her. So. So, yeah, let's. uh, So here we got Bob Holly's dropping punk on his back. Um, Just for for a reference, is that is that that's what you're seeing, too? Van Damme's bleeding. Yes. Cut open. We had two minutes right about now. Right at the 2.11 mark, um, 0.9. I, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the, the timer here. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about this event, B-Rob. What do you know about this pay-per-view, other than the fact that it turned out to be a major financial disappointment? We've already said that Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon strongly disagreed with one another about booking this match. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, um. I only know about this. I mean, I think this might have been a time frame in my watching of professional wrestling to where I kind of was out of it due to I was. I was as well. Yeah. I, I was I was actually several years removed uh from watching at this point. Yeah. Well, um so I, I never heard anything else other than, you know, in hindsight, and I recently listened to a pay per view about it. Um I think it was I think it was with Bruce and, and Conrad. And, you know, they gave a lot of background on it and um, especially about how it it came down to, you know, they wanted ECW originally when they brought it back under the umbrella of WWE. They wanted it to be its own thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But it didn't stay that way, did it? No, no, it did not. (laughs) In Uh, fact, the the card for this pay-per-view even though it was an exclusively ECW branded pay-per-view didn't have a lot of ECW. Another thing, this is one of the shortest pay-per-views they ever did. This pay-per-view didn't last a full two hours. Yeah. I mean, probably the sheer structure of it or whatever. They were just kind of like phoning in like a lot of matches buzzing the ref yep. in his ear telling Bruce, him to bring it home Bruce and Pritchard everything. Said, yeah, Bruce Pritchard says because they scrapped so many things because Paul Heyman turned in a plan for a pay-per-view and they just kept scrapping it. They said, nope, not doing this, not doing this. And then they tried to fill the gaps with, uh, well, for one thing, the best match on the card um, did not have ECW guys in it. It had Eminem, Joey Mercury, and yeah. Johnny Nitro. Nitro taken on the Hardy boys. Not everybody in that match was on the ECW brand. Um, they also had Melina who looked amazing by the way, mm-hmm. uh, go back and watch the pay-per-view. Um, if you're going to go back and watch it, just watch it for this match. Oh, uh, but the match by far 
It goes 22 minutes and 33 seconds in the opening match. A ridiculously long, drawn out. There were so many openings they had to end it, but uh, apparently backstage they were saying, drag it out. We, we got to fill time. Oh, that was so we got some uh, show of uh, violence and aggression in this extreme. Crowbar to match. the eye. Crowbar to the eye. That you know, if you hit a man multiple times with a crowbar, the man's not getting up. Yeah. See, that was the thing with this for me. Uh, uh, based upon the weapons. All right, I can understand the chair. I can understand the table. Or whatever, but the barbed wire bat and um, freaking crowbar that kind of took me out of it or whatever. A lot of uh, a lot of discrepancy in the in the fairness of the weapons. Like we're gonna give this one guy a thin metal folding chair. This 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 mofo gets a crowbar and this one gets a barbed wire baseball bat, and then Bobby Lashley gets a folding table. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you know here, here's your folding table. What what do I do with this? You want me to you want me to play cards on it? I mean. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're gonna give this guy a crowbar but you get this uh flimsy metal folding table that if this 105 pound referee happens to lightly fall on it it will shatter into splinters we got um cm <laughs> rob punk with ooh, the rob doing a lap mm. we got a uh, cm punk with the delayed sale <laughs> yeah that sale took longer than uh well, that sale took longer than WCW took to get sold because that company should have been sold a decade before, but it, it continued on. Um, much like the op- oh five star frog splash. Yep, and we have our first elimination. All right. All right, Rob. Who does the better frog splash? Is it Van Dam or is it was it Eddie Guerrero? Well, I mean, shit, man. Uh, I would say Van Dam. I mean, Eddie. His was like more violent, you know, it was just like it was real tight, you know, and he didn't like he got some air, but it was more, you know, straight down onto the person. Rob Van Dam, he would get air and he had like more flexibility in his tuck and everything. And he would just like come down like from way up top. But like when Eddie Guerrero did it, he had it with like with malice intent and with with a purpose. But, uh, See, I, I I agree that Rob Van Dam does have the better frog, frog splash, mm-hmm. but I, I disagree. I think it looks like Van Dam's would hurt more than Eddie's. I think Van Dam just put a bit more of a snap into it, you know, that spring into it. Um, Eddie's was more like that cool heel, like, here I come, mm-hmm. and Van Dam is like, ka-chow, coming off there, like the Batman cartoons. Ooh, and he just took a, um, a toss off the top of the chamber. Now, yeah, so this booking here, all right, the, the, this or let's talk about this chamber because this was the first time that this elimination chamber was used, correct? With the extreme one? Or yes, just, well, not just the extreme, but they've they used this chamber at the elimination uh, pay per view and, and Rob the other Van, appearances. Yeah, Rob Van Dam has just taken a leg elbow drop to the face with a chair. And here's test problem. You see, he gets up there to do his elbow drop and can't stand up all the way. <laughs> yeah. See, and th- that's kind of because of things like that. That's what led to the redesign of the current chamber and everything, which I believe is safer. <laughs> and at, Well, they say that this one was obviously designed by someone who had never wrestled before because mm-hmm. it requires you if you're on the outskirts of the ring, you have to bump on pure graded steel. Yeah. Nobody liked that, and I think it hurt some guys. I don't know about permanently, but it definitely left them hurt. And then you get up on top of one of those pods to do a jump or a leap, and 
you know, it's uh, they replaying that elbow drop and that looks nasty, man. <laughs> I know, but he, he can't stand up all the way. He's kind of having to crouch and he doesn't get to do his full height. So it's kind of a leap down. It's I would just say, you know, don't do the aerial moves, but yeah, you, you have to sometimes <laughs> guys got to have their, their spots, you know, but um, got from what you were saying about the, the chamber, I think this was the design that kind of st- Stayed the test of time or whatever. I don't recall. Well, I, I think too many it's changes. because uh, I, personally, I think it stayed because they paid so much to make it. It cost yeah. over like a million dollars to make, which why yeah. would that cost over a million dollars? That can't. I, I, I doubt that. I don't know. I don't know. Cause they I said mean, those pods were made of like bulletproof. Yeah. Lexon glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then Jer- but then Kane was able to throw Jericho through one and break it. So I don't, I don't know. It's not Jericho proof. And um, out of the, all the characters that was in this match, I think there's, Big Show characters. This match is already is it? It's not really holding my attention at this point. Not really. But no. uh, with a uh, Big Show or whatever, he like I don't know. It was just like the way he acted. Because, I mean, they are actors. The way, you know, the way he Absolutely. conveyed his emotions and everything in this match, I thought it was really damn good. Yeah. Well, so the elimination, this this was, like you said, the first use of the extreme elimination chamber, which I, I don't know how extreme it was. It, sh- it first showed up, though, um, just to be so we're not confusing anybody. The No Way Out um, pay-per-view? It, well, they had it for the 2002 Survivor Series for the the Raw brand, uh, where where Shawn Michaels didn't Shawn win his his title? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, wearing those awful you know crap brown trunks and had a page boy haircut. <laughs> oh, now we got some shenanigans with the pod. Uh, they got Bobby Lashley trapped in, and he's using that Don't table worry. to get out. <laughs> uh, th- this I have a table, everyone. Don't worry. I'm just going to take my table and knock these uh, chains here. Uh, n- never mind. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He's got the folding leg came out accidentally, so uh, he's got, got to put that back in here. The table operation kind of messing things up, but now he's going to climb up here like uh, you know Spider Man, and just showing off some of that uh, agility. Because, you know, Lashley man, Lashley man uh, does whatever a spider can. Uh, awkward springboard clothesline. <laughs> well, everything you do off that pod is going to be awkward. Uh, yeah, oh, that was kind of awkward, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. So when they made this the first appearance of the extreme chamber, it just didn't feel that different. And like you said, the weapons were were different. The weapons were a lot of disparity because obviously some were better than others. Yeah. Why didn't anyone in wrestling? And I know the answer to the question, but you've got a no DQ match, right? Mm-hmm. Anything, anything goes. Why not show up with like a, a, a taser gun, shoot him out and just get the guy down that way, <laughs> which that happened to big show. At some I know. Point, didn't yeah. It? <laughs> well, and Scott Hall and Goldberg, yeah. but plan ahead of time. And, and their announcers, um, we just have to say, yep, yeah, that that that's legal. What what can we say? You know, what can we say? And um, for that matter, you could show up with a gun, like like you know, a Brian Pillman okay. bringing a gun, shoot your opponent. <laughs> Would they give you time to pin him before the medics come in? <laughs> it's like I know he's been shot, but we got to have a winner to this match. I mean. You may have some some legal issues after the match, but it, it would be legal to bring a gun into the elimination extreme chamber here, wouldn't it? 
So, so this is interesting to me. I'm just, you know, Wikipedia and things and everything. All right. The first uh, elimination chamber was in 2002 and um, yeah. they, they, uh, they uh, credit triple H as for the creation of this thing, but it was, yeah, they did. So what the hell was triple H thinking, man? Don't blame Triple H now. What Triple H wanted to create was a revival of something you and I know very well, the WCW War Games pay-per-view. Yeah. Which, that was Triple H's plan, to which Vince is saying, you know, you, you might have to do the voice for me. He's like, hell, let's let's make it our own, you know. Hell, our own let's, let's, let's make it ours. Let's 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 give it a WWE feel to it. <laughs> Not like that Southern wrestling promotion that he put out of business. Well, so, well, you even bringing that up. I mean, just kind of looking at the similarities between the structure of uh, the two, the um, war games setup and the elimination chamber. It's just it's the same, but it's different at the same time because uh, you would I have mean to interrupt you. But we just we just see now what we've been talking about with the weapons where test is coming at him with the steel chair. Yeah. And Lashley ducks and Bobby Lashley hits a man in the gut with a crowbar and the man gets back up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't care who you are, Tess Martin. If Bobby Lashley hits you in the gut with both hands with a crowbar, I, I don't think you're getting up anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. And then just the, the sheer ridiculousness of if you have a crowbar with intent to harm somebody I'm not going to hold it at both ends with either hand and hit you in the stomach with it I'm going to hit you in the freaking face <laughs> oh gosh yes and gosh. it's probably oh, going to be and now Lashley's, he, Lashley can go pick up that crowbar but he's going to go back for his uh, little flimsy table never mind that the crowbar is on the op like just a few feet away from him in the other t- corner there I got this table that's all I need to beat the big show <laughs> yeah well you got <laughs> You got some time before his pod opened and everything. You're just flinging everything at the pod. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. You know what would have been awesome if W uh, W E. Well, I know. Wait, this was too late. But um, what if they had called him uh, iPods? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Big Show, he's in. He's in a giant sized iPod, and uh, he he better shuffle if he wants to come out of this alive now, B Rob, because Bobby Lashley, he's got a skinny metal chair. Yeah, Never that- mind that crowbar in the corner. I've got a skinny metal chair and you've got a barbed wire baseball bat. Well, I mean, but, you, but, but for some reason, you're scared, well, you know, carrying this barbed wire baseball bat. And I've got a flimsy metal chair. Well, well the uh, thing about it, I mean, in comparison, <laughs> the chair with the crowbar or whatever that has the chair has more surface area, as you can see him using it as a shield right now as he gets yeah, pummeled. The, the chair has more surface area, but we know we have seen a thousand chair shots. They're all sc- Oh, now the barbed wire He's going to get it caught. And, you know, he's got to have a reason to get rid of it. So. Mm-hmm. This feels like one of the bonus levels on like WCW backstage assaults where it was just based on like weapons and backstage fights and no actual wrestling. Now, the referee is going to stop to remove the barbed wire bat from the chain because that's his job. It's not to watch the match. He needs to remove those weapons from that chamber. Mm hmm. For some reason, but um, going back to what I was saying between uh the war games and the freaking elimination chamber, because like yes, the war games, yes. um, what it was two teams or three teams depending on what variant you going with, and um, they oh he went through the pod. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 stuck bleeding too. Yeah, yeah. but um, you would get 
you have two people start and then you would volley between the teams. One would come in, uh, I think it was every five minutes. And this is similar to that, to where they would come in every five minutes. And um, but the only difference between the two is um, the elimination chamber. Elimination can, can occur at any point during the, the match. Uh, with yes. the uh, war games, a pinfall submission could not occur until all participants from either team are inside the ring. And then it was just one fall to a finish. Yes, I and I think that was a positive change. Yeah, because, I mean, you got 10 people in there. Do you think it would have been better for the war game setup to where if you pin, you're just eliminated and the match goes on? Or would that be absolutely. too long? I, I absolutely think that would have been better because a lot of the things that happened in the war games matches because of the rules did not make sense for the reasons that you're giving. For the reason that the match has to go on. It can't end for a story purpose because we want everyone to have a chance to get in the ring and people see them before the match could naturally come to a conclusion. That was something they talked about in other war games, uh, watch alongs like, um, you know, the, the worst, worst war games, which you and I should probably watch sometime, um, was the, uh, 1998 fall brawl with the, uh, ultimate warrior. <laughs> And everybody was just kept saying, like, you know, here's two guys in the ring. What happens if one, you know, defeats the other, submits him now? Like, you know, Sting puts this guy in the scorpion early on, submits him. Uh, is is the match not over? And then when the, um, you know, when like the, the baby face is outnumbered, like two to one. Yeah. It's like, why does the match go on? They just keep beating him. You know, they keep beating him down. They're just running out the clock till the next person comes in. It, it doesn't make sense. And that's yeah. why I think the elimination format is better. And there you see Bobby Lashley. With the spear. Spears for the win. And he's just acting like he won the damn Super Bowl. But in reality, Bobby Lashley, you just won a watered down version of the ECW title on a pay-per-view that will not only go down as the lowest buy rate in history, but will essentially kill Paul Heyman's relationship with the WWE for many years. And you can really see the look on Paul's face saying it all. That's that's how he really felt. Congratulations. Um, this was a car wreck. Mm. What else can you say about it, B-Rob? Well, I mean, you can kind of tell, like, when it got down to these last two, it just kind of where it picked up. It kind of zipped to the end to get the conclusion yeah. and whatnot. Um, but just the WWE version of ECW. Let's just talk about that. It would be the catalyst for great things to come, I feel, because them introducing the third brand um, kind of made a way for what will come with NXT. So I don't believe there would have been a NXT or NXT would be what it is today without this version of ECW. Huh. I, I don't know. There's a lot of what happened, what could happen. But I know what happened uh, shortly after this match was Vince and Paul Heyman got on a plane together. And, you know, there's uh, Paul has a story about what happened. Yeah. I don't know if Vince has ever stated his side, but uh, less than 24 hours. Look at that after, pyro. Look at that pyro. <laughs> yeah, le well, less than 24 hours after that expensive pyro, uh, WWE announces on the website 
that Vince McMahon has sent Heyman home, citing slumping television ratings and a disgruntled talent roster as the causes for Mr. Heyman's dismissal. There was a clash on their plane to the North uh, Charlton Coliseum and after a producer's meeting, and they escorted Heyman. He didn't just, he was escorted out and sent home, immediately pulled from ECW's creative team after what's described as a, a heated altercation. I don't know how, you know, if it got physical or it was yeah. words, but. McMahon tried to blame Heyman for the this pay-per-view. And yeah, I'm pretty sure that Heyman yeah. just blew his stack because he said, I had a completely different idea for the pay-per-view. You rejected it and you want to lay the blame at my feet? Yeah. yeah. Is that a legitimate gripe? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you ain't going to blame me for your fuck ups. <laughs> Well, the, and we, we know the big change. There were lots of changes to the matches. Um, the other matches on the card, uh, the dark match was uh, Stevie Richards defeats Rene Dupree, which I don't think anyone bothered to time it. Uh, the Hardy Boys defeated Eminem in the opener in the long 22-minute, 33-second match. Almost went as long as the main event elimination chamber. But then Balls Mahoney defeated Matt Stryker, who just cuts a terrible promo uh, before the match. And no no offense, it's not Matt Stryker's fault. It's how it was booked. But it was a terrible promo with Matt Stryker wearing a pink sweater vest, which, you know, yeah, good you heat. But wearing these, this, the sweater vest was just kind of large on him, and he was wearing very tiny trunks. Yes. So he didn't look like he was wearing any pants with the sweater vest. Mm -hmm. And he also didn't look like he was wearing a jock strap. So you'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah, we um, um we spoke about Max Stryker on um the New Japan Wrestle Kingdom episode, if y'all want to go back and check that out. And Balls defeated Matt Stryker in just a seven-minute match. Uh, then your your man Elijah Burke and Sylvester yeah. Trekay, uh defeated the FBI, uh, Little Guido and Tony Marmaluke, with Trinity, who also looked amazing, mm -hmm. by the way, in a tag team match. So we, we a tag team match going only six minutes and forty-one seconds. Um, then Davari, of all people, with the great Kali in tow, defeated ECW original Tommy Dreamer in the only singles match on the card besides the dark match. The only singles match on the card, seven minutes and 22 seconds. Tommy Dreamer takes the loss after, um, you know, a match with Davari. Mm. Uh, then the match before you're going into your main event here, uh, Ariel and Kevin Thorne mm -hmm. defeated Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox in a tag team match with four people. Uh, and, and I hate to be rude, but at this point, really only two of them were experienced wrestlers. Um, seven minutes and 43 seconds. Kelly Kelly was doing her exhibitionist gimmick back in the day and yeah. kept wanting to, you know, stop and take off her clothes for the crowd. And Mike Knox was playing the overprotective boyfriend who wanted her to keep her clothes on, mm -hmm. you know, not a bad gimmick if you want to get some heats because Kelly Kelly is a gorgeous woman. Um, and Kevin Thorne rocking the vampire gimmick back then. Mm hmm. Yeah, I remember his uh his side pieces, Lady there or whatever. She would hang on. Ariel, Ariel, why why are you gonna name a vampire's 
uh, you know, girlfriend after, after the little mermaid. mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know, but uh, well, after maybe, that, but match, vampire, um, but vampire bats fly, so that would be Ariel. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, oh, you're 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 reaching there, Rob. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> you're reaching there, but that was uh, after that match. The uh, the Sandman got to show up and do his stuff, and I, I he looked. I mean, he always looked angry, but he looked very angry doing the uh, you know the kendo stick attack on Kevin Thorne. Um, yeah, very angry. Uh, Sandman got a good pop from the crowd, but was not able to get on the card. Mm-hmm. Well, it is what it is. Speaking it is of, what spe- it is. Speaking of the sand- Dusty Rhodes. Wait, got to say it like Dusty Rhodes. It is what it is, baby. <laughs> it, it is what it is, baby. Spe- baby. Speaking, speaking yeah. of the Sandman, what do you think about that uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer? All right. Well, well, that's shifting some gears and talking about something I really like. I love the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, and we saw a uh, some villains in the trailer appear to be Hydro Man mm-hmm. and uh, what also people think is the Sandman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you what, though. I don't think either of those villains actually appear. Yeah. I think they're going to be Mysterio's illusions. Mm-hmm. And that uh, Mysterio is, you know, in town there trying to set himself up as, as a superhero. A guy, yeah. yeah. The costume looks great for Mysterio. Yes. Uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal playing the role. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal was going to play Spider-Man, uh, take over the role for Spider-Man 2 uh, back in the day because Tobey Maguire had a very serious back injury. And it got to the point where Jake Gyllenhaal was actively exercising and working out because he believed, you know, he had the role. Full circle, right? <laughs> and now he, uh, so he has come back for his revenge <laughs> yeah. on Spider-Man. Because you, you took my part. Now I will take you down. Uh, I love what looks to be the story. You know, a field trip. Peter Parker gets to go on a field trip, and he really wants to you know, be a normal teenager for a minute. Uh, and I, I've seen some online hate for that. What What do you think was the reasoning for them to drop this trailer as early as they did before the end game would come out? B Rob, the MCU has to market every film under its own merit. True or false? True. But I was thinking like, it doesn't matter what you think. Okay. <laughs> nah, but uh, seriously. Could resist. Because um, a lot of people were saying that this was kind of, uh, the rumor was that, um, you know, everybody got a feeling that all these characters that poofed in the snap are going to come back because, you, you know, whatever. But they were saying that this was how you were going to introduce Venom to the Spider-Man universe for the MCU, which I don't think they can do that because of it's not going to happen yeah. now. As but far that, as I but that was like the overwhelming rumor that I've heard or whatever. So I believe this was kind of like a drop to kind of squash that shit and get everybody, you know, stop to stop thinking that or whatever. And then yeah. at the same time, um, with the frustration with some people of them dropping it this early, it's kind of spoiling the Avengers movie, which I really don't think it is because we don't know the current timeline of which this film takes place. Because if you've seen Spider-Man Homecoming, that took place before Civil War and runs alongside and after Civil War as well. Incorrect. What? Um, incorrect. Um, wait a minute. 
I, I misunderstood you. Yes, the there are parts that do take place beside it and after it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you are correct. I was actually thinking about um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, yeah, that. W- which was released um, after Infinity War, mm-hmm. but took place before it, and then the post credit scene took place at the same time. Yeah. So basically it was taking place, for the most part, at the same you know few days or weeks mm-hmm. uh, alongside it. Uh, B-Rob is not something that bothers me. They have to drop the trailer because they have to promote the movie. They have to market the movie. They can't risk, you know, underplaying or undermarketing uh, an MCU movie because the characters will play a role in other films coming out, you know, sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and we so just because we know that Spider Man is going to make it back, just because we know that Nick Fury is obviously going to make it back, unless that's an illusion, Nick Fury, and not the real thing. Um, it, it doesn't matter to me. It's about the journey. It's about the story. It's about how they come back. And that's why people are going to go see it. Oh, well, do yeah. you think one person who was saw Infinity War and wants to go see Endgame will now change their mind because of the Spider-Man trailer? <laughs> Fucking no. <laughs> well, there you go. That answers the question. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm so I'm ready. So ready. Uh, other th- but the other thing that bothered me a bit it what it was what people were saying online that Peter Parker is out of character. These are wannabe nerds by the way who I don't think have ever read uh, a Spider-Man comic mm-hmm. saying that Peter Parker would never leave his costume behind and, and you know try to go be a normal teenager for a couple of weeks. See now that that's like, you know, I'm not really versed in the freaking comic books or whatever, but that was something that I got from whatever content that I consumed of Spider-Man that he always wanted to be a normal kid or whatever, but he put his uh his responsibilities as having these powers ahead of that sometimes, and it was a lot oh, of times. Absolutely. It's the constant struggle that he faces, yeah. and I guarantee you that he will guilt himself for making this choice to leave the costume behind but um you know you said you're not as well versed but i bet you recall one of the most iconic spider-man covers in history of yeah. peter parker putting the costume in the garbage can and walking away mm-hmm. which there's been so many uh, different spoofs of that cover because they've had many walk- times it's it's a famous cover so to those people out there who might and i think this is a very small minority um i'd say go read a comic book sometime mm-hmm. if you think it's out of character for Peter Parker to leave his costume at home for a couple of weeks, you obviously don't know that he'd once dumped it in the trash forever and said, screw my responsibility. I'm going to go be a normal kid. This is ruining my life and I'm ruining other people's lives as Spider-Man. Yeah, and that's ca- that's happened. And they kind of did that in a way in the first uh, with the Tobey Maguire freaking movies or whatever to where he lost his powers for a little bit. And he was just kind of on the fence about it before that happened anyway. But it just like they did it in a different way, pretty much. And then that has been uh, the 2006 <laughs> December to Dismember pay-per-view. That is it. That is it. One of the uh, the pay-per-view that uh, destroyed an empire. Yeah, it was the nail in the coffin. It was pretty much WWE like. Haha, motherfucker, I own it all. I got WCW, I got ECW, I'm the king of the mountain. <laughs> and now I'm gonna 
destroy them all. I've, br- I've got my mountain and I'm going to blow it up. Um, something we got a little off track with, but uh, Paul Heyman apparently said he kept repeatedly going to McMahon up to the pay-per-view, up to the night of, to say the people are going to throw this back in our face. Mm-hmm. Um, Also, after this event, Tommy Dreamer and Stevie Richards asked to be released from their contract, and both requests were refused by Vince McMahon. Um, Critics obviously had a negative reaction. The only match that received any praise was the Hardy Boys versus Eminem tag team match. Um, It got a four out of ten stars saying, um, you know, that match saved this whole thing from being a debacle. And in the 2006 Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, uh, this event was voted worst major wrestling show of the year. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, this third brand paved the way for NXT, because if you remember, ECW was still around. I think um, at the time, Christian and Ezekiel Jackson and all them were for, for it, it limped on. Yeah, yeah, it limped on for about three more years. Yeah, and then Vince McMahon. Yeah, then Vince McMahon came out on the stage at one show. I think it might have been an ECW show, and he was like, you, you know, he made the announcement of how you know next week is going to change or whatever day he said it. Things are going to change and we will move into the next generation, yada, yada, yada. I recall. Yes, yes. And that was now when you said, you know, when you said NXT, Mm -hmm. I wasn't even thinking the right thing. I was thinking about, you know, the FCW that became NXT. Yeah. And and I was going to disagree with you and say, no, Ohio Valley Wrestling really gave us NXT Mm -hmm. developmental. You're right. The NXT you're referring to is like the reality based contestant show a mix of tough enough meets ecw mm-hmm. meets just really lame television yeah because that that nxt which nobody remembers nobody talks about it but that original nxt brand with the mentors and the the rookie it, that was terrible it, it was <laughs> I'm sorry, i hate to be negative but it was so bad and that would go on for five seasons it went on. Uh, the, I remember seasons, the yeah. last season they did that redemption, redemption where they just kind of brought back other people and it was just an ongoing storyline, an ongoing brand. Mm-hmm. They just kind of said, we need to do something else with this. And they, you know, they took it off. And obviously what, it was the best possible move. Yeah. Cause what you would say, they finally got it right. <laughs> yeah. Then FCW would morph into that spot because they wanted to keep the NXT brand. Well, I'm glad that it finally came out the way that it needed to be. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess we're seeing you're right, B. Rob. Uh, You know, 13 years ago, we are seeing the beginnings of NXT. Also, the NXT that would give us Daniel Bryan Mm -hmm. and the Nexus storyline, which could have been great, but they fucked it up. Well, that's a story for another watch along (laughs) and also gave us this decision here tonight, as well as, you know, several other decisions. But the decision for WWE not to go with Punk as the rising star in this event um, really was a big motivation behind the things he said in his 2011 pipe bomb promo. Yeah. So a lot of failure in this pay-per-view that led to some very key moments. Yes. And that's what wrestling is all about. (laughs) 
that is well what are we going to watch next time i don't know um we keep saying well i keep saying specifically that we'll leave it up to the fans but we're going to actually do it this time i'm gonna put a poll up on here i'm gonna spread it out through all my social media accounts so people can get some eyes on it and we'll let you pick the next one for real for real (laughs) i'm gonna be looking for uh you on a poll b rob Oh, B-Rob on a pole match? B-Rob on a pole. Throw your money, folks. Throw your money at B-Rob on a pole. <laughs> but yeah, this has been um, another edition of Wrestling is Trash. On behalf of myself and the awesomely awesome wit talk historian, Jay Sandlin, we bid you a fond adieu, and we'll see you next time.